Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome back to another episode of the How I Quit Alcohol podcast. For first-time listeners, please be aware that not all of the conversations within this podcast are suitable for children. I'd also like to add a trigger warning that sometimes the conversations can get a little heavy. We may talk about things like sexual abuse, domestic violence, drug use and alcohol use. And if you feel that that may trigger you, please do not tune in. Also, I'd like to add, if you are a heavy daily drinker, please seek the help of a medical practitioner before quitting alcohol. This podcast comes to you from beautiful Bunjalung country. Please kick back and enjoy. Grab yourself your favorite alcohol-free bevy. And if you haven't already, do a gal a favor. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Monday Distillery, who makes sophisticated elk-free drinks that still have all the taste of a good time. G&T without the tears, whiskey without the wobbles, and other delicious cocktails too. Switching the ritual instead of ditching the ritual is so much easier. Stay in high spirits, keep a clear mind, head to mondaydistillery.com for more. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today from a hotel room, Kira Beach on the New South Wales, Queensland border there on the Gold Coast. I'm here with my beautiful husband, Ash Grunewald. Hello, everybody. It's it's been a while. You haven't been on the podcast for a while, Ash. No. So it's a bit of a treat to get you back on. And most of you guys know who've been following the podcast or following myself or Ash on Instagram that we've been traveling around Australia with the kids in a very shitty old caravan and our very fancy VW crafter. Which made it all the way around Australia and then broke down at the gig (laughs) that we were racing back to get back to. So that was quite a good in a way. Yeah, we did an epic drive back from Darwin to the Gold Coast to try and make it in time for Creek Fest in Corumban that Ash was headlining. And we blew out, what, two tyres on the caravan, which was our third for the trip and just absolutely had to bang it home. And here we are. And then we're kind of drawing our beautiful holiday to a close. So it was pretty big experience really, wasn't it? Oh yeah, it was massive. It was so good to just get out of phone service and I think we really did it for the kids to get them out of phone service and off devices and to bring the family close. Us having a 15 year old now turning 15, it's just a good thing to do but I don't think we realized how good it was going to be for us. Yeah, I can't recommend this enough. If it's a possibility or if you can make it a possibility in the future, get the kids or just yourself or just getting into nature and getting out of service and just completely disconnecting. It was a bit of a challenge at first. I know our first stop was in South Australia and wow, where we went into that campsite there, which where you were surfing and there was no service there whatsoever. And I remember I was actually feeling a bit anxious about it at first, like, oh my gosh, 
well, what if someone needs me? Or just having to accept that and, and go with it and just surrender to that and drop in. It was awesome. Yeah. And I did notice one thing that I always think that my nervous system is pretty good. I do yoga nidra most days and I've got an amazing daily practice. And I noticed though, with that disconnection from the outside world, I just slept like so well. And I actually wasn't getting up at 4am to do the stuff. I was just sleeping and it was just really beautiful. It was such a great experience. I did get like when we were away out of service for a long time, I actually started to get nervous when I saw those bars come back on the phone and it's like, you're going to have to join back into society. And uh, I just didn't realize how much I enjoyed being away from society and actually living like a human 1.0, which is not any of the things, not even we're recording a podcast right now. We're back on our devices. We're doing all this stuff, but actually that's not the natural way that humans existed before. And it's really good to just spend a little bit of time being a human 1.0. And giving yourself that permission, I think is amazing to go, okay, I am going to disconnect now. And whether I've thought about this in reflection and during our trip, but giving permission, even if it's for half a day, if you can kind of manage that to disconnect, Mm. day is great, but that's definitely going to be part of my daily practice or part of what I'll do in the future going forward is to take some time to completely disconnect. So one thing is that noticing where you are perhaps getting overstimulated in life and with a constant connection with people and on our devices. And so seeing if we can pull that back. Yeah, the whole trip was absolutely amazing and we documented a lot of it. But what was great was to just meeting people and chatting with them and going to campsites and not drinking, like being those people that that didn't drink. And that was really awesome. And showing people our alcohol-free beers and the alcohol-free G&Ts and just sparking that conversation with people was really cool. I guess then realized, wow, this is a possibility. Actually, yeah, some people were spinning out in WA in different places. They'd be like, oh, wow. Ah, the thing I heard something about an alcohol-free beer, but this one tastes good. Yeah. And it's definitely the first time. We were retreading some tracks that I tried, like going to Red Bluff in WA. I remember being there back in the day and everybody was partying around the campfire and it was a bit different this time with kids and whatever. And I guess we're sinking into that thing now. It's been five years and I don't even think it's an issue now. And I say, oh yeah, I don't drink. It's not like it was when we just quit for a year. Mm. So now we're sinking into a different vibe with that. And I just sort of happily say that without ever thinking that there's going to be any sort of excuse making or big long tail after it as to why I'm not Mm. drinking. And yeah, it was just awesome. And I... (laughs) I don't know if this should be in it or not, but I did notice also one other thing about drinking when we're traveling around. We noticed a lot of people just set up in campsites that weren't even really campsites and they just spend all day there and they would, we would travel even at night and different times, but a lot of people didn't travel at night. And then I wondered, maybe it's because they're drinking mm. because like they set up the camp and then they start drinking and like you're a lot more constrained then because you can't drive. And uh, we saw that all around Australia because I think it's a big part of a certain kind of camping, you know, knocking them back. Yeah. Well, I had plenty of Instagram messages from people saying, 
I don't know if I could even go camping without drinking. And I remember feeling like that too when we first quit back in the day, thinking how would we ever go around and be in our camper van or be in a caravan and not drink because that's what we did early on. Mm. Not that we were getting smashed because I think Sunny was a baby then when we first went in our motorhome that we had, but we'd be traveling around and there'd always be stopping at wineries and Mm. pulling out a bottle of wine. And we had from all the different wineries we'd go to boxes of wine and really nice wine in our mm. motorhome and I remember the first time thinking wow how would we do that and not drink but it's so possible one thing I noticed on this trip was that everywhere we went even in the middle of the outback you could get alcohol-free beers at a lot of the roadhouses there was I remember I can't remember where it was it was on the Nullarbor there was Monday distillery drinks in the mm. roadhouse mm. I was like wow and then every time I'd go into Woolies or Coles or do one of those shops I would always make sure I'd got a couple of things of heaps normals um, for you and I'd have something nice for me, nice, <laughs> uh, nice things for me to drink as well because you still want to have that nice drink and you still want to treat yourself. And also when people come and join you at your campsite, it's nice to be able to sit and have a beer with them or have a G&T, but it just has no alcohol in it. Um, and it was cool. What about we got invited up to the people who run Red Bluff up to their house one night. We took up our alcohol-free beers and things and you fed mm. them with those guys and it was a great talking point as well. Mm. And isn't it just great to just go and meet people or have them around at our campfire and just not be a dick? <laughs> I was just writing something this morning for our book and I was writing some um, unpleasant memories and just like due to my anatomy with my wide head <laughs> and my big mouth, but uh, I actually literally have physiologically a big mouth and a barrel chest. And, you know, that's a really great advantage as a musician to have a powerful singing voice. And that's probably what my main good bit of my singing is. I also find it really handsome. Uh, <laughs> thank you. But it's not actually my fault that actually I was probably seen often as an obnoxious drunk because people don't realize, oh, you just got a loud voice. Like, so on the inside of me, I might have been seeing myself as some kind of sophisticate. <laughs> but on the outside, I would be like, <laughs> and I must have annoyed so many people. And that's not even my fault. That's my physiology. But, you Absolutely. know. And, but most people, we get really loud when we're drunk. I remember being on planes and being told to have to be quiet. And I was thinking, no, they go, I'm basically whispering here. But so like, I'm like, what are you talking about? And like other passengers would be complaining because I was so loud. But honestly, I just thought, what are they talking about? Because the same, I thought to me on the inside, I'm being really quiet and respectful, but I'm black. Same as you. Yeah. Even you were, you were telling me about when you were on Xavier's Rudd's tour bus mm. in America and he yeah. told me that a little story. Go in the mo oh, yeah, we woke up sort of hungover and we were going for a run. And he's like, yeah, it's all good with partying and stuff, but your voice is just so loud when you're drunk. <laughs> and he had his own separate quarters at the back of the bus too. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's an interesting thing to think of that I've never thought of really very much before that people can think about out there is, not only does alcohol affect people in different ways, but we're all different people anyway. And you might just have a loud talking voice, or you might be naturally pretty outgoing, or you might be naturally, there's another one with me. I discovered when I quit alcohol that sometimes on the road, I still stay up talking longer than the people who are even drinking. So I naturally stay up all night. So I'm like kind of already naturally a loud party animal without even having a drink. But if you're already like that, you might be that kind of person. And then 
you really beat yourself up about being so wild as a drinker. But some of it is just actually who you are as a person. So then you need to know, okay, this is how I am. I'm not as suited to drinking as maybe some, maybe some people are naturally more quiet and they're not going to make a dicker out of themselves. And those people probably have to be careful that they just don't quietly just put heaps of drinks away because they're not bothering anyone and no one notices how much they drink. Well, I think alcohol exacerbates certain parts of your, your personality, obviously. So I'm kind of a natural oversharer. And so when I would be drunk, I would be oversharing everything about everything and everyone and getting myself into trouble that way or feeling shame from that. And then you're naturally a loud sort of person. So yeah, it, it just does seem to exacerbate parts of our personality. So th- I think that's what gets us in the shit mm. all over the time. And sometimes you might beat yourself up afterwards and think, ah, oh, why do I just get like that or whatever? Yeah, it's just the exacerbating of what are your, your natural, yeah, tendencies. So yeah. Never really looked at it quite that way before. Mm. So when you take it out, then I guess there's a leveling off where those parts of us, they're still there. It's not like that they're not there anymore, but there's a leveling, I guess, of our personality. And some people can find that really boring too, initially. And it can seem a bit dull, I guess, after a while, if you're used to that on the weekend and that's your opportunity to break out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. But then I think if you push through that, then you find that you you rediscover like say if you used alcohol to open you up and dull any of your insecurities so you could be loud and you enjoyed the fact that you did that mm-hmm. after a while when the need for alcohol starts to leave you you might find that in your general everyday life you're more chirpy mm-hmm. you're more outgoing than you used to be mm-hmm. and we just bumped into a friend of yours who's from your hometown who was living in Darwin and she was saying she went out for a boogie and she loves dancing sober these days and she doesn't have a, a problem with that. I just say to people, if you just quit, don't think that's the whole story of quitting because you're getting used to not being drunk. And the fact that you used to get drunk, it became the, uh, what do you call it, the placebo that you needed to give yourself permission to let go. So you've got to let those habits die off a little bit before you start actually becoming more extroverted when you're sober. But I think everybody will find when they quit alcohol and binge drinking that some of the things you enjoyed about binging can come back into your sober life. Because when you're a drinker, they leave your sober life because you almost compartmentalize. Like once I've had a drink, I give myself permission to be happy, to be chirpy, to even play better with the kids when you're, you you wait till that drink. And some of that is actually placebo. So Mm. once you get drinking out completely, you you can bring that back into your sober life. Absolutely. But that takes some time, I think. Yeah. There is that kind of lull that you have, like there's... I think the first part of quitting drinking can be really exciting the first couple of months or the first few weeks for some people. I mean, it's different for everybody. And then you can kind of get the ho-hums, which comes up a lot for people. It's like, what now? What's next? It's around the one-year mark. Okay, I've kind of hit that milestone. Now what? Mm. For me, I'd say to anyone, that's when you dig in. That's when you start learning new things, challenge yourself, get yourself out of a rut if that's what you're in. There's lots of things that you can do, but it's really about challenging yourself and pushing your boundaries then. I would say, actually, on that front, you're so right about the learning. It's impossible to be in a rut when you're learning something new. Mm. So that's when you need to 
always remember to make the fact that you quit an advantage. If all you do is take alcohol out your life and then you leave a bottle-shaped hole in your life, you might feel like you're missing something. But if you actually make sure that you do learn something new, then the fact that you're that you quit alcohol becomes a massive advantage in your life and you can see and if you can see where those benefits are and if you can't think of anything just go for fitness then yeah absolutely just work on your fitness your mental health you can Mm. become obsessed with something like yoga and some people might say well that's just replacing one addiction for another like I think I spoke about this with Luke Snooski on the podcast recently where I think probably it's more than likely I might have replaced the addictive tendency to learning and that full onness I have and just I can't stop. I need to have input in the way of learning new things or reading new books. Is that an addiction? Maybe, but it's a lot better for me than binge dressing and hating myself. I certainly don't hate myself if I learn something new. Yeah, I would even, let's create some controversy on the podcast and I'm going to push back on you a little later, Danny. (laughs) I think that is also the good thing like, you know, like people say, oh, addictive personality. I think that bit of you that frosts or that bit of you that really gets into stuff and you could look at it from one side as, oh, you've just replaced one addiction with another. Or you could look at it another way. No, you're just a full-on person who loves what they love and you get into things. That's why you were prone to drinking too much because you said, I love drinking, so I'm going to get smashed all the time. Mm. And now you're pouring yourself into something that's really positive. So. Mm. Yeah, embracing once. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you have that addictive personality, use that to your advantage. Use it for your wellness. Um, It's absolutely pointless. And we've spoken about this a lot of times in the podcast, but it is absolutely pointless to just remove alcohol from your life and then stay in the same. Yeah. And I know people who take it out and then just sit around and they still do the same stuff every night. They sit and watch the same television shows and they hang out with the same people and do the same stuff every weekend, very rarely last a distance because Mm. you absolutely have to change things up, Mm. do things differently and replace that alcohol with something else. So if your thing was every night to sit down with a bottle of wine and watch Netflix, well, you fucked off the bottle of wine, now fuck off the Netflix and go and do something else. Go and do a yoga class, go out for a walk, go and take up a class. Like there's a gazillion things. I'm not going to sit here and tell people what, to do, but there's a gazillion things that you can do, but don't keep doing that same routine and expect change just Mm. by taking the alcohol out. I think this is really important discussion. Oh, totally. And like life is short and life is a privilege to live. If you talk to somebody who's terminally ill, they'll tell you, I just would encourage people not to waste it and maybe just remember that, that actually you, you don't have that much longer to live. Like the Buddhists, they contemplate death every day. Mm-hmm. And it's good to think of that. It's pretty lucky. It's a pretty open book, what you can do with your life. Yeah, there's so much to do. So I just think people should get out there and learn stuff and get out of that rut. Absolutely. And it's the, it's the quickest way out of the rut. And it's the quickest way out of these old repetitive patterns that haven't been serving you. Change it up. Change the patterns. So I think this doesn't matter where you are on your journey, if you're just starting or if you're a year down the track, but wherever you are, think, okay, I've taken out the alcohol. What am I going to put in its place? And that's one thing, like I've said, I've talked about heaps of times. Lissy Turner, she's the one that said, was on the podcast or maybe when she was talking to my grads group, I can't remember, 
which is that when you take out something as huge as alcohol, you have to replace it with something equally as huge. Right. So don't think you're going to get change if you just take out the alcohol and sit doing the same thing. Sorry to repeat myself, but it's really important. Become anything, do anything. You just have to, just have the motivation. I know one thing's for sure. If we were drinking all the time on this trip that we had, would we have had the the vitality or the that real clarity to see what we were seeing? We're just looking at things. Like if we were in some beautiful place in the outback, it was like this whole experience. It was mm. a spiritual experience. Definitely was. So many places that we went to, feeling the slowness of the land almost. And um, it, was, yeah, it was magic. It's hard to describe. Yeah. Do you think we would have had that same real spiritual? It's so hard to describe. Yeah, it's really hard to say. Um, especially for people who haven't been there, how it was a spiritual experience, but you just have to go. You just have to check it out, mm-hmm. especially the Northern Territory, which we haven't spent a lot of time in before and we've never driven to. That was really amazing. But 100%, I, I do feel like if we did it when we were drinking, it's a little more superficial and there's a lot more of sticking to your campsite and, and there's a lot of rushing through things because you can't wait to open a bottle of something. Absolutely. And, it, and ticking the boxes, really, aren't you? Just you right. the boxes and then you get back to drinking. And I think we have holidayed like that a lot where we've gone, especially when we've gone around Europe, haven't taken a lot of it in, just been getting to the restaurant, getting that bottle of wine and that happening every night. And I think it, it would have been way different if we didn't have that. Absolutely. It would have been become much more about all of the things that we were seeing. Absolutely. And the other thing I found still waking up early and looking up at the stars and doing this journey, but having had such a solid gratitude practice for years too, it's like you're taking, you're really like, wow, like you're in awe and wonderment all the time. And I'm sure that's got a lot to do with that gratitude practice. Not to say that, like I said, you could still do it drinking and still have an amazing time. Absolutely. But it was just different and you can't really put it into words Mm. unless you've sort of gone and done it really feeling into this country and feeling into that vibration of the country that's mm. there. It's just absolutely phenomenal. Whilst we were there, I read the most amazing book and I'm hoping to get Paul on this podcast called The Dreaming Path. And that's talking about using Aboriginal culture for healing, not as an Aboriginal person. You could do it obviously as an Aboriginal person, but also just as a white person and to go in and use a lot of those practices, you know, the connection to culture, connection to country, being out in nature, all those things for our own healing. And it was a beautiful book to read whilst on that journey. And that's, yeah, as I said, it's called The Dreaming Path. I'll put links to that in the show notes. It was beautiful. And another thing that I got out of that whole book was about your story and talked to this to our grads about this exact thing. Like, what's your story going to be? What's your story? And the sharing of stories and how powerful it is to share our stories. So every time we went to a campsite, and not in an evangelistic way, but if it came up about drinking, oh, we don't drink, and talking about our story and our journey with alcohol, is, it's a really powerful one. And hearing stories too, hearing other people's stories, it's very powerful. Um, so anyway, I sort of digress there. But in terms of that, this whole thing, definitely always always shaking things up a bit and challenging yourself. I think to encapsulate that experience, you, you sort of have to be out there. But I guess what you're saying is to get that deep spiritual experience you need to be able to slow down get out of your head not be full of distractions so that's what we found so amazing which was the fact that we weren't drinking was number one but there was also the disconnection from technology which is another thing that sort of takes you out of the now 
kind of thing. And then when you can be out there on country and just be, then it's an amazing thing and that suddenly you can slow down a little bit to get a bit of the messages that are coming from that country. But bearing in mind, we're still Westerners with our busy little minds. You could do it for years and I'm sure you would get a hell of a lot more benefit. All we got was a little taster. Yeah. And we did feel something. And I just think people have to be out there to compare notes and say how they felt. Yeah. yeah. It's a felt thing rather than something you can put words to. Absolutely. And another great part of the trip too was just, and this is, I've saved this about camping a lot, but the creature comforts that you don't have anymore. Everything's a bit more of an effort and like you've got to bring in your own water to a lot of these places or you don't have electricity and so you have to light a fire to get you. And all those things that we take for granted every day and even being here at Kira and back in this hotel, I marveled a bit this morning. I was like, took a moment when I turned the tap on to put the water in the kettle to make a coffee. I was like, wow, comparing it to how it was when we were at Red Bluff where it's a bit of an effort to and you don't want to waste the water. You got given some water on Mother's Day. Yeah. <laughs> we were stoked. Yeah, because it was a long drive to go and get fresh water. So all those little things that we take for granted, to take those away for you for a spell, it really resets your level of gratitude. And I said to Ash when we were away, remember I said to you, if I ever say to you again that I want to renovate the bathroom, tell me I've got to go camping for two weeks first. <laughs> so true. Obviously, whilst we were away, I was getting lots of, like I said, lots of messages from people who were following the, the journey and were also inspired to go camping and do things without drinking, which was really cool. And obviously, it's doable. And I, I, honestly, I, I do believe that if you go out there and you take your heaps normals or you take your alcohol-free options and you light your campfire and it's just... It is, and I guarantee it is, just as much, if not more, an amazing experience. You sit by the fire, you cook your damper, you get out your guitar, whatever it is that you do, you play with the kids, or you just take it in. You just sit and look up at the stars and just, wow. And you go to bed probably two hours earlier <laughs> than yes. you would otherwise. Absolutely. So the other thing I want to talk about, Stacey, we've got, I've got another challenge starting up. This podcast is coming out. Sunday, the actual, the new challenge is starting this Sunday, the 2nd of July. But if you're not joining the challenge or if you you might be starting dry July even, but I just wanted to talk to a little bit about that when you're in hard times and making it, you know, rather than it being a cause of suffering, like if you're really struggling with your alcohol or if you're struggling with your mental health, rather than seeing it as a big struggle, but could we reframe it into seeing it as a bit more of a challenge? taking the challenge, you might be taking up my challenge or taking up the challenge of dry July, but turning your struggle into a challenge is a really powerful thing to do. I remember we were teaching the kids when we lived in Bali and I ended up writing about a little bit about this in my book, but there's always that three-letter word yet that's so important. Mm -hmm. So if you're not where you need to be or you're not where you want to be in your sobriety, you're not there yet. That doesn't mean you won't be there. Like if if you keep working at everything, you can get there. It's just that you're not there yet. Mm. It's just that was very, very simple and very powerful for me. And it just shows you that anything's possible. Absolutely. And it can be a great learning too. Like if you have been struggling with something, it's a great opportunity to look at, okay, well, what's going on for me? Like you can start to observe yourself. I think observing yourself is a great step forward, even if it's like observing your struggles. What's going on for me is a really great question to ask, especially going into something like, say, six weeks challenge about alcohol or 
dry July or anything that you've got coming up, just observing yourself and, okay, where am I struggling in life and why am I struggling so much? And also, yeah, don't judge yourself. Be a little bit removed and just think, oh, that's interesting. Aha. Uh-huh. Be intrigued with the workings of your own mind and the way you react to certain things and just be very generous to yourself. Mm-hmm. The path of guilt and beating yourself up is what keeps you stuck in a rut. Yeah. And that makes you very strongly attached to actually often the thing that is causing you suffering. If it's alcohol, beating yourself up about the things that you've done wrong with alcohol, or it just keeps you addicted and then you think, ah, fuck it, and then end up drinking again. You're better off being kind to yourself and just observing your own thoughts and your own journey with sobriety in an amused kind of way and yeah. with a more positive view. And put the blame and the shame onto the substance that caused it as well. Put it onto alcohol and that will really help. Absolutely. And it doesn't matter what's been in your past too. Like if you've tried and tried and you've tried 20 million times to stop, like I had Greg Holmes on the podcast last week and we talked about his guy from the sunny coast and a great guy. We had such a great chat and I really loved that interview with him because he talked about he has tried a gazillion times to quit and something just stuck with him this last time and he's doing really, really well. So it doesn't matter what your past has been. The future can be really beautiful if you take everything from your past as a learning. Okay, well, what was hard about it last time or where did I fall down last time? What were the obstacles that I faced last time that how can I do it differently this time? It's like you say, it's yet. If you go in it with a growth mindset to like, okay, didn't work out that time, can this time. What can I learn? Everything has to be a learning experience. So there's never any failures in life. No, no. no. And because that that doesn't, with having that failure mindset and that beating yourself up mindset, that'd be fine if it worked well, but it doesn't work well. Yep. Like the the positive way is the way that works and that's what will allow you to move on. Absolutely. And this is also how we turn our struggles into a challenge too, if you see it as a challenge. Like I know when we did that one year off, when we first went into this and said, we're going to take 12, it was a challenge. Like that was like, righto, I'm up for the challenge of this one year without alcohol. Fuck. But it was kind of exciting. Yeah. And there were times when it was dull and it was boring and all the rest of it, but it was still this challenge of like, can I do this? Yeah. Didn't matter that I tried a million times before to stop drinking. Mm. It was like, this is now. And this is how I'm doing it this time. And just really turning it into a challenge. That's why I call my courses the challenge too, because they're a challenge. Challenge yourself. Yeah, you spit yourself out when you put in the work to actually do something that you weren't quite sure that you could do. Mm -hmm. And we all know you can do it. But like if you've tried before and it hasn't worked, think how amazing you'll feel when you prove to yourself, wow, I have done it. Yeah. That's interesting. What else can I do? Yeah. Uh, it was on a podcast when we were away, when we were in Broome, I recorded a podcast with Sam Wood and he was fantastic. I love chatting with him. But one of the questions he asked was, well, what if people, that same old question, I don't really have a problem and how do I know if I've got a problem? If you're wondering too, if, you, if you're wondering about doing Dry July or you wonder about doing my challenge or someone else's challenge or course, a great question is just to ask yourself, well, how am I doing right now? Or the fact that I'm even contemplating doing this is a fairly good sign that maybe something's not right Mm. and it's worth me looking into Mm. and taking this challenge. Like six weeks, say if you were to sign up for my challenge, which you still can even today, 
if you're hearing this podcast and you want to sign up for mine or another one that's out there or you just want to take some time off, ask yourself, well, how am I doing right now with this in my life? Is there things that I could do better? Is alcohol holding me back in any way? And how do I feel about myself the next day when I wake up? And what would it be like to just take six weeks off? Six weeks is nothing in the grand scheme of things. But to go, I want to commit to six weeks. I want to learn about myself. I want to dive into my discomforts and see that it's a challenge because it can be scary for some people to, to face their fears head on. But it's also a real challenge. And if you see it just as a challenge, okay, this is going to be great. I get to do this. Also, if you think, would it be really easy to do six weeks? If the answer is, yeah, I could do that just standing on my head, so easy. Well, then maybe you don't need to do it. But if you think, oh, six weeks, oh, it's a bit long, then maybe you need to do it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I would say one of the best, most powerful things, obviously, to let go of is alcohol. It is one of those things that just shackles you and holds you back in so many ways. And I obviously life changed so much for us so dramatically when we did choose to let it go. You don't have to let it go forever, but you can just see what it feels like to let it go for an amount of time. When we listened to Anna Lemke's book, Dopamine Nation, while we were away, which is a brilliant book and I'd recommend to anyone to read, but I loved everything she wrote about dopamine. But she was saying that when we drink excessively or do anything excessively, which causes a dopamine dump, which alcohol does, we're going to have a bit of a deficit when we take it away. So it's good to, she, she said 21 days without the substance to get your dopamine to come back into a level playing field and then see how you feel after that. So that's why you do 21 days or you do a month and then push on for another couple of weeks after that and then start to see how you feel. And if you're starting to feel really good, then that's great. Keep going. If you still feel really crap, okay, that's also great to know. It's great mm-hmm. to observe. Okay, I still feel shit even though I've taken this out. What else do I need to go? So sometimes if I work with someone and they're still feeling really crap a few months in, okay, it might be for a lot of women, go and get your hormones checked, especially at my age, like 46. Is it time to get your hormones checked, get your bloods done, go and see a functional medicine doctor, go see a nutritionist, get an overhaul. Do I need to go into therapy? Is there some deep trauma stuff that surfaced that I've been pushing down without the alcohol? It's all great learning. Mm, at least you know. Yeah, it's great observation. So you can't lose. You mm. absolutely cannot lose. And even if you give it a go and you don't succeed, there's another opportunity to learn and to keep growing. So I'm all for it. Just get in there and, and give it a go. And like I said, you could sign up. I'm running challenges all the time. I've got a self-paced one as well. You could sign up and do some coaching with me one-on-one. I've opened up my books again for people. And if you can get a session with me, do so. I really recommend doing at least five sessions. Four or five sessions is great just to kind of work through some stuff. I don't think a one-off, one, just one session is really enough. But even if you just want to have the chat with me, you can book in on my website. I love it. You know, I love working with people, all sorts of drinking every day, or even if you're just drinking a little bit, doing that work with people is amazing. Or there's the challenges or If I'm not your person, there's a gazillion other people out there that can help. And I'm always happy to refer on to other people as well. So there's help there. It might be AA. There's a million things that you can do. But I think journey of life is about pushing forward and not staying doing that same thing. Challenge yourself, learn stuff, grow as a person and start living for yourself. I was talking to the grads about this just briefly on the, the book, The Five Regrets of the Dying. And that top regret was living for other people. Mm. and not living your own truth and not living your life the way you wanted to do it. I think that's, for me, drinking was 
I was doing that to please people often, you know, it's the people pleaser in me was one of the reasons I was drinking a lot. And so taking that out of my life, I got to live more authentically just by taking that out. And it was a challenge, but geez, it was worth it. Yeah. And something you'll never regret, I don't think, especially if you're listening to this podcast, just give it a go. Yeah, absolutely. So turning your struggles into a challenge, that's one thing that I'll take out of today. And then, yeah, so awesome. And so Ash, it's really good to have you back on the podcast and we're working working away on our book, which is pretty much done now. We're just working with an editor now to get it all a bit more into shape. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that's very exciting. Well, it, it is exciting and it's a bit confronting because the editor is making me put a bit more tell-all, rock and roll kind of stuff, which I didn't even put in my Surf by Day, Jam by Night book. They're kind of good stories, but like I didn't really want to share too much of that kind of stuff because it's a little bit embarrassing. And I know you wanted me to do that and you're very open like that, but I, I'm a bit more of a closed book. But this morning I did a little bit of a tell-all story about just the time I got absolutely trashed when I was doing some Cat Empire supports back in the day. And it was a bit of a funny story. And once I break the seal and I get talking, I'm cool with it. I just got to stop imagining my mum or some kids reading it. Or... <laughs> I think it's your mum. <laughs> uh... But it's been good. It's been cathartic. And some of the things I said in this podcast were a result of just doing that writing this yeah. morning. Yeah. And um, it just did remind me to tell people that journaling, you'll probably get a lot of insights out of it because that's essentially what I was doing. And that's how I had that insight about, oh, anatomically, the way I'm made, that's what made me a loud drunk. The fact that I'm a loud singer, I'm a loud talker. So I think that's the first time I've realized that. So it was pretty cathartic. Well, I don't know what my excuse is because I don't have a big, large... You have a loud uh, singing voice and powerful voice. Yeah, but I don't have an anatomically large head. But, yeah, I was still fucking loud drunk and fucking annoying. So I'm glad... You are a loud singer in a good way. I'm glad not to be doing the loud drunkenness anymore, that's for sure. Anyway, but it's amazing to have you back on and you've got a ton of shows coming up. So if anyone wants to go and... Why Ash can butcher at one of his shows. There on his website, there's a gazillion shows, which I was reading those shows just going, oh, awesome. Then the other side of me going, oh, shit, I've got to run this show on my own here. A single mother. I'll be being the single mum, but that's okay. Gratitude always. But yeah, so if anyone's interested in going to check out one of Ash's shows, do so and like I say, go down by the mannequin butcher and go up and say hi. He really loves it when people that listen to the podcast come up and say hi at the end of the show. Which is at almost every show. It's been great, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, fantastic. And uh, go get your boogie on. Go and get your sober boogie on at one of his shows coming up. And like I said, great to have you back, Ash. It's great to be back home. And, and even though I'm sad that our holidays come to an end, but it's actually just put the wind in my sails to start planning and thinking, right, how do we do this more long term? It's a beautiful life and one that I'm just so grateful for. Every day, so grateful to wake up every day, to be alive, to not be hungover, to not have made a dick out of myself the night before. And just be living. Like, it's just amazing. I'm so grateful for this life and grateful to you too ash just for being along on the ride with me and it's an amazing life we have together oh, that's nice <laughs> bye everyone bye everyone <laughs>